Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast. There are film and television adaptations and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is located on the ancestral lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumseh Sequim territory within the unceded traditional lands of Sequim Ulu. Although this week I am coming to you from Algonquin Anishinaabe territory. And uh, no territorial acknowledgement this week, Joe. We are reading Alana, the First Adventure by Tamara Pierce for Book Club. Mm-hmm. And it's a fantasy set in a vaguely British-ish place, but we don't have a territorial <laughs> acknowledgement to share today. Although we do have some colonialism in the back half of the book, but regardless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, as you have clued people in for the last couple of weeks when we've been asking people like, hey, this is coming up, get your responses in and so on. We've heard from quite a few people that this is a fan favorite. Like a lot mm-hmm. of, I think, girls grew up reading this series. Yeah, and it was not one that was familiar to me, Joe. And in fairness, I didn't read a ton of fantasy as a kid. But like this book came out in 1983, the same year um, that I debuted. So I'm <laughs> surprised it hadn't ever crossed my path. Yeah, it's a little bit wild. Brenna, maybe before we go into the plot description, we can just mm-hmm. acknowledge that we did hear from three listeners. So we heard from our usual fave, Tea Books and Chocolate, as well as Emma and also Charlotte. Yes, I was so excited to see some new faces appearing in Mailbag. That's super, super exciting. And also, I was super excited that I think Tea Books and Chocolate wrote us like two large books, which I enjoyed Mm -hmm. every word of. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I think folks have difficulty distinguishing this first book. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's the Song of the Lioness. But this is a... What's it called? A quartet, a quadrilogy of books. So Tamara Pierce definitely wrote this as one long book and then was told, no kid wants to read that. So she had to cut it into four parts. But it does seem like a lot of folks have difficulty separating book one from book two and three and so on, because there's a lot of stuff that happens, but people have memories that intermix because of the nostalgia. I think the length is both a testament to the time period Mm -hmm. and to the distinction between middle grade and YA, Joe, because shortly we're going to be revisiting my favorite, Veronica Roth, with um, Allegiant. And literally my copy of Allegiant is 600 pages long. I I Uh accidentally got the collector's edition out of the library, but even then, it's like... I, it's so interesting to me because I'm guessing in 1983 they wouldn't have published um, no. a book for young people that was 600 pages long. But I also think, it, you know, it, it's that difference between we are squarely middle grade here, mm-hmm. which, you know, this is something you and I have talked about on the show. Sometimes it really bugs us to live in middle grade world and sometimes we really enjoy it. With this right. one, I really enjoyed it. I thought the voice and pitch was like actually pretty perfect for that audience and, yeah. uh, and, and it, it really captivated me. Yeah, I won't lie. I I tried not to read any of the responses until after I personally finished, just so that I have my own opinions before I read mm-hmm. other people's. And I found this so delightful. I devoured this. I loved Alana slash Alan. And I just thought this was such a good time. And then mm-hmm. I started reading responses and people were like, yeah, some of this hasn't aged particularly well. <laughs> and there's that aforementioned colonialism. And some people read it in this way. And I was like, oh, I 
just read this for fun because I clearly yeah. did not have my critical hat on. <laughs> Didn't pick up yeah. anything. <laughs> no, me too. And it's funny because I kind of had to remind myself to keep being aware of how gender is represented because I yes. actually think like considering this is a gender swap story published in mm -hmm. 1983, I actually think it's all surprisingly sensitively dealt with like yeah there are some aspects that are kind of like gender essentialist but not nearly as much as i was expecting and yeah the ways in which when alana reveals herself as alana to the three characters that we see her reveal herself to over the course of the narrative mm -hmm. um they're all like very cool <laughs> yeah like yeah. it's i love it i actually just really thought that you know if you really do take this in its context i think it's pretty progressive, but we'll discuss some of the problems as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Brenna, let's assume that people are not familiar with this. So what is Alana, the first adventure about? Because I thought it was going to be about a horse because all of the book covers have a girl and a horse. <laughs> and she doesn't even get the horse till like halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> I was misled. <laughs> So um, our main character is Alana of Trebond, and she has a twin brother named Tom, and they are both really miserable about the future that lays ahead of them. Mm -hmm. So Alana is going to be sent to like a convent uh, to learn to become a young lady. Because she's a girl. Mm -hmm. And Tom is going to be sent to the night school to become a knight. Which he doesn't want to do because he wants to be a sorcerer. Right. Um, and handily, sorcerer training also happens at the convent. So right. Alana hatches this plan where she and her brother are going to switch places. She's going to go to night school pretending to be a boy named Alan. And her brother's going to go to the convent and slip over into sorcery school. And luckily, their dad is maybe one of the worst dads we've encountered just from a sheer like negligence perspective. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. he has no idea what they're doing uh, and almost no interest in what they're doing. So <laughs> they <laughs> they go off with this plan. Yeah. Um, and then we don't really hear from Tom again for most of the book. No. We Did you assume that he'll just become important later in the book series? Or was it kind of yeah. like, meh, this character, who cares? Yeah, I mean, I didn't miss him, so I didn't really care. When we get yeah. his letter, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, right, him. Yes. <laughs> but for the most part, I'm like, if he comes back later, great. If he doesn't, like, also, also great. great. <laughs> I don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I like best about the book is that we spend our entire time with... Alana slash Alan as she slash he is learning how to be a page, mm -hmm. learning about court, trying to understand like Alana's father is noble, but he's a scholar. He basically right. like nopes out of everything to do with like having to go to court or understanding the rules of it. Mm -hmm. And um, not just that, but he like doesn't value it at all. So does she does not like it. No. Nope. Yeah. So even though she's technically of noble lineage, she does come with an outsider's perspective, um, which makes her a very fun narrator in these scenes. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that's really nice is that Tamara Pierce is not pretending that tiny slight Alana would be like an amazing swordsman right off the bat. And mm -hmm. what we get to see a lot of is Alana as Alan, like practicing, like yes. really trying hard to get better and getting takes a lot her, of work. Yeah. And like getting her ass kicked throughout the narrative. And Joe, I do struggle with the pronouns a bit here because Tamora Pierce always calls her Alana to us. Mm hmm. 
But it's really clear that Alana is very conflicted about her identity and would like the world to just see her as a boy because boys get to do so much more stuff. And I think that's why it's a hard one because I don't think she like thinks of herself as a boy. I think she just Mm -hmm. wants the opportunities that are available to boys. And that's a really different perspective on gender than sort of a straight trans narrative, right? Yes. Yeah. So at this point, I might bring in a couple of our listener responses because they try to grapple with this distinction between, okay, what is girlhood? Why might some people have a bit of a trans reading on Alana? Mm -hmm. So I'll start with Emma, who elaborates the dysphoric experiences, the repeated disavowals of softness and emotionality, as well as Alana's rage at having to deal with breasts and period, all read as someone who is not cis. And Mm -hmm. as soon as I read that, I thought, okay, yeah, I can totally understand why Mm -hmm. some people might read Alana as trans, because she does seem to be actively rebelling against the quote-unquote female parts of her right like Mm -hmm. she aspires to leave those elements behind so that she can embrace her future which she thinks means having to pass as a man Mm -hmm. so can definitely see that but then you flip it around and emma says in another part of her email i did find it interesting that alana seems adamant that her boyhood disguise is a temporary solution Mm -hmm. to a societal problem that she can't fix on her own so boyhood is the lie to her not girlhood she sees girlhood as an obstacle but one that she will eventually transform enough to find comfort in and apparently this does become more clear in subsequent books Mm -hmm. so the first book we see alana finding a way of being herself as a girl even if her public facing persona is male identified and then her relationships with other characters become deeper and more intimate when that person discovers who she truly is yes i think that's really important so she always has an exit plan from this identity. Like, Mm -hmm. she has this big imagined reveal where she turns 18, she gets her sword, she's officially made a knight, and she goes, suckers, I'm a girl. I was a girl this whole time. Yeah, and And basically, like, I've proven myself. So even if you have an issue with the fact that I'm a woman who has done all this training, you can't deny how good I am. And as a result, I get to go on and live my life. And she even says, like, if they won't accept me as a woman knight at court, that's fine. I will just go Mm -hmm. off and have adventures. Like, she's absolutely ready to be disavowed by the community for what she does. But ultimately, it is her girlhood that is Mm -hmm. her core identity. And I think it's really important to note that that point about her being able to have close relationships once people know who she is, like... All her closest relationships by the end of the book, with the exception of Sir Miles, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Sir Miles has an inkling, right? Yeah, have been told or have found out that she mm-hmm. is actually a girl, and I, I do think that's really important because, especially in the moment, for example, when uh, Prince Jonathan finds mm-hmm. out. First of all, Prince Jonathan's reaction is great because it's yeah. basically like. You lied to me, and I have some feelings about that, but they're not more important than, like, me supporting you through this difficult thing that you're doing. And it's like, oh, A-plus ally, (laughs) Prince Jonathan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to read some of this in a queer perspective or or something like that, because too often it does feel like a coming out, right? Mm -hmm. But 
one of the things that really came out in both Emma and Tea Books and Chocolate's response is how important Alana as a girl figure was for them as young readers. So they both make it very clear, you know, they they can see the trans reading, they don't have an issue with it. It's not mm-hmm. something that they personally subscribe to, because for them, when they read the books, that empowering figure of Alana as a girl who sets her mind to something and then goes out and achieves it was really, really instrumental and something that was not being seen in fantasy at the time. I also think it's really important to note that the experience of having discussed at your first period, your early period, maybe all your periods, mm-hmm. is not necessarily an experience of dysphoria, right? Like, right. there's a lot of cultural stigma around menstruation. And like, <laughs> yeah, depending on your, your family of origin, depending on the kinds of stories that get told to you, like, I know some people have that like, oh, you know, welcome to womanhood kind of moment. But Lots also have like, oh, here's the list of things you can't do anymore, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think that it's really worth noting that when Alana is angry at her body, she's angry at its potential to give the game up, right? Like, she's angry at what it can ruin for her, which again, I totally understand it as a trans reading. And I think that if it's an important narrative from that perspective for any reader, like, that's, that's great. But I, also think it's worth acknowledging that like being mad at your body is not necessarily a dysphoric experience right like female bodies are rage inducing often Mm -hmm. unfortunately like (laughs) they just are right yeah i say this as somebody who's like i have very bad periods now that i'm 40 and it's like (laughs) i'm really mad at my body all the time so like i dig it i dig it alana i get it (laughs) Also, I just caught myself in a lie. The quote that I read about transness is actually from Charlotte. So I apologize, Charlotte. I was conflating things in my notes. But um, yeah, Brenda, let's talk a little bit about the period stuff, because I do think that that's one of the areas folks feel has not aged as well. Yeah. Interesting. So just for readers who aren't familiar with this section of the text, basically what happens is Alana wakes up one morning, there's blood on her sheets, she doesn't know why. It's important to remember that Alana, she's a motherless child in this book, um, and her father is really disconnected. So the odds that anybody has had any kind of conversation with her about her body are pretty minimal. Yeah, I was a little surprised that Maud, who is kind of the housekeeper who also taught Alana and her brother a little bit of magic never had the conversation but then Elena's also so young that Maud probably didn't think oh okay I need to have this conversation because you're going away to the convent like they will teach you this kind of stuff because you'll yeah. be surrounded by women I think as soon as she figured out that they were swapping roles Maud should have said something but whatever right. like <laughs> a rare Maud L you know um by the way you're gonna bleed bye <laughs> So she doesn't know what to do. And there's only one person at this point in the narrative who she feels like she can trust with this information because because although her sort of guardian, Coram, knows that she's a girl, she doesn't want to tell him something this private. Like, she's very freaked. So she goes to see her friend, the King of the Thieves, George, who she has come to realize she can trust him with anything. Mm -hmm. And so... She wants to be taken to a healing woman. The only healers inside the court are men. And she knows enough to know that she needs a woman. She's 
as she says, it's coming from between my legs. I want a woman's opinion on what's going on here. Um, and so she goes to George to try to hook her up with a healing woman. And luckily, George's mother is one. And so it's the first moment where she has to trust someone with her secret in order to get the care that she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's also coming up against the gendered constraints of her community. Like she genuinely doesn't want to have this conversation with one of the man healers. She wants to mm-hmm. see a woman healer. Anyway, so she goes to George's mother, who is lovely, sure. <laughs> and yep. teaches her about what's going on and teaches her how to care for herself during this time and, and what to expect. And also, you know, teaches her the important information about pregnancy, which I'm glad mm-hmm. she finds out about. Um, sure. So talk to me, Joe. What did you think about this scene? Because I was reading it in contrast with something like, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which mm-hmm. obviously different setting, but published in a very similar era. Right. And all I could think about was it's amazing that these books from the 70s and the 80s are more interested in talking about menstruation than like, Mm-hmm. most of the stuff published in the 2000s that we read like that's pretty interesting to me uh, and i right. think i kind of got stuck there so what, what did you think of these scenes so i'll confess i also liked them you know i appreciated the fact that we were addressing something that is very relevant i think one of the things that came out in the responses was the sort of antiquated language around the idea mm. that like it's women's bodies yeah, who bleed, fair. and of course as our language and our awareness of trans issues has arisen, we understand that trans men can also have periods and bleed and so on. So I think part of that is just like, I don't think Tamara Pierce would have been writing with that kind of awareness in mind at this day and age. And we did get a lot of clarification that, you know, she's done a lot of work on herself, like her other books particularly her more contemporary ones are very much finger on the pulse. She's apparently publicly denounced JK Rowling, which was like, yes, let's all just do that and move on with our lives (laughs) because that's the only way to move forward. But I think it's one of those things where, oh, this was written in a particular time frame where we either lack the awareness or the wherewithal to know that we should be a little bit more cautious about the language because it's very like, all girls bleed. Yeah, I think it is worth pointing out that the language of the time was gender essentialist Mm -hmm. in nature. I don't think trans inclusivity was on the radar of many people outside the trans community at the Mm -hmm. time. So even someone who is a a clearly a very progressive voice like Tamara Pierce just doesn't have access to that language. But I do think that's a fair critique, right? Like that's how we progress as a society is, is we recognize these things. And I think in general... The book is really straddling this line between being quite gender essentialist and leaving space for mm-hmm. Alana to both want to eventually like come out as a woman, for lack right. of a better phrase, but also have the opportunities of boyhood accessible to her. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that it works so well, and I'm going to speak for you because I'm a man and that's what I do. Yeah, fair. I think one of the reasons that this works so well for us is because it is so character driven. Yeah. Like there's a richness to Elena. She jumps off the page. She's so vibrant and easy to get on board with. So I'm actually willing to overlook some of the things that maybe haven't aged quite as well. Like we we got, you know, references to the book has 
difficulty with time, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, nothing happens. So you get a couple of sentences about the winter past, and now it's spring and something big is happening. So let's spend some time on that. Like, it's a bit herky jerky in places. Like, there's a bunch of things where, yeah, this is firmly middle grade from a particular period in time. And some of those things you would expect to see done differently now. But I don't care because I like (laughs) Alana so much. It's true. It's true. I I think Tea Books and Chocolate made a point of like, there's a lot of like montage. Mm -hmm. where It's like, and then a bunch of stuff is happening. By the way, like, how has this not been adapted? I feel like this would be a great limited run TV series. Like 100% would watch the hell out of it. But um, I also wanted to shout out Tea Books and Chocolate for noting the lack of walking in this book. It was appreciated (laughs) by me that all the travel happens on horses. Shout out Tamara Pierce and no slow walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very true. I, I enjoy the lack of walking. There is some horseback, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. No, there is. But, you know, I do actually, Joe, I don't know if anybody wrote about it. I don't think they did. But I actually really love the scene where Alana gets her horse mm-hmm. and George is giving her an excellent deal on this horse, like way yes. undercharging her for the horse, but knows that there's no way that she'll just take the horse so Mm -hmm. he kind of has to and then jonathan is like i know you're giving her this great deal on a horse like i'll give you the difference and he ends up buying a horse too like (laughs) it's like i don't know there's something really sweet about their little horse shopping spree scene a hundred percent yeah i mean obviously we're talking about a fantasy novel because it's set in a fictitious realm and people have magic and all this other fun stuff but You know, I think one of the other things that came out in all three of the responses was how much fantasy this offered girls at the time, right? So, you know, there's something about wish fulfillment of Alana's journey to become a knight in a day and age where you didn't get to read about girls doing that ever. But then I also really appreciated Emma's response where she says... I'm not sure that the message you can break barriers and beat bullies so long as you're exceptional and a chosen one really holds up. Although maybe it was a bit of wish fulfillment for kids who Mm -hmm. wanted to see ourselves as secretly special. And she goes on to say, I do think that this spin on a special magical school type of book with the palace training functioning as a kind of uh Hogwarts type environment Mm. 10 years before we got to Hogwarts with Rowling's uh, Harry Potter books. There's something about the story that is so familiar and easy to get into, but it's Mm -hmm. like, in a lot of ways, you know, this is a chosen one narrative. It's got, yeah, this special finishing school where you have to work at your craft, but also, like, Elena is magical, and she's Mm -hmm. just a little bit better than other people, and so on. Like, there's a loveliness to it embedded within that familiarity and tropiness. Yeah, and I think I think the book really is redeemed, not to be, this is the most Protestant thing I've ever said, Joe, but this mm-hmm. book is really redeemed by hard work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because we do we do totally have a chosen one narrative, like point taken and accepted 100%. But the important thing about it is that she doesn't know, right? And so right. while there are moments of like, oh, crap, like, she can do amazing things. A, if it's anything physical, she has to work like hell to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. But B, she also really requires the validation of the community around her, right? Like right. she doesn't succeed in the in the final scene. She doesn't succeed in helping to banish the 
God the nameless things. ones, yes. Yeah, until Jonathan is like, you can do this, and now mm-hmm. you have to, or we're gonna die. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, it really is as much about her coming to realize her specialness. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I mean, I've always been a sucker for that plot line, right? That, like, mm-hmm. as Emma says, like, maybe you have some secret power that you don't know about. Like, I dig that. Um, <laughs> but speaking of the nameless ones, I did want to bring in tea books and chocolates critique about the orientalism in the depiction of the bazir right it's interesting because first of all the geography of this world is slightly baffling um because it's very clearly england right like it's kind of a british feudal system that the characters are living within Mm -hmm. and yet they can walk to what is pretty clearly the middle east sure so, you know, that, okay. Uh, it's a small world. <laughs> it's a small world, Brenna. Come on. <laughs> um, but I do think, you know, there's some fascinating tension going on here because the Bazir are, they've effectively been, like, rejected from the colonial society. They're still, mm-hmm. like, ruled by it. But, like, the rulers are basically like, these are backwards people and we don't want anything to do with them. Right. But they've been allowed to elect their own sort of official as a result. Yes. And there's this strange dynamic where you can tell both Tamara Pierce's narrative voice and Alana as our focal character mm-hmm. are deeply condemning the ways in which these people have been treated. And like one of yes. the things is we know that Jonathan is going to be a better ruler than his father has been because he's curious about mm-hmm. the vizier. And he he wants to read their history as written by them, which I think is a really interesting yes. like thing to be included here. But obviously, they the whole part of the story is really based on a fantasy tradition of seeing the Arabic world as this space where you can... It's exotic. Yeah, it's exotic, and it's where there's evil demons and monsters, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So... I don't know, there's an interesting tension here between like a clear attempt to do better, but still buying into a historical trope that, yeah, in 1983 was already really old and now feels very uncomfortable at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both Emma and Charlotte note the idea of this white savior trope, right? Where mm-hmm. Elena and Jonathan are told, don't go into the black city, that's where the demons are. And they just kind of stroll in there, grab each other's <laughs> hands, perform some magic and rid the world of these evil things. And it's like, cool, I guess all we needed was white people after all. White preteens specifically, apparently. <laughs> yeah and and this is the kind of thing where i'll confess i didn't even clock it when i read this it was mostly i got swept up in the magic of it and i was you know thinking "Ooh, maybe alana and jonathan are gonna have a little kiss apparently Mm -hmm. she does kind of make out with all the boys over the course of the series the the series is very sex positive apparently so (laughs) it was like oh alana she gets down (laughs) Uh, It doesn't happen in this book, which is also a little bit refreshing. But yeah, when you pause and take that step back, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that is what's going on for sure, for sure. Yeah, I really appreciated that there's not a love interest in this part of the story. It's Mm -hmm. Alana's got too much going on (laughs) to also be worried about boys and crushes. Mm -hmm. And I really, um, I just appreciated that because we don't always see that. We don't always get to have... Uh, girls sans romance stories so that was nice yeah and apparently like not only will she get with multiple boys but she will eventually marry uh george who 
makes sense oh. in my mind. Like, I think she has good chemistry with Jonathan. But, like, when you stop to think about it, when you take that step back, you realize, oh, George is the one who accepts her and notices her, like, right off the bat, right? You know, even yeah. as she's walking in on her route to the palace, he's the one who's like, hey, what's your deal? I'm interested <laughs> in you. Yeah, that I love this. This is great. I also... You know, it's, I wonder if they go love triangly with it, because I could see that being an easy, an easy way to go. But I am, mm -hmm. I am down for George. I love that. Right. Love that yeah. for Anna. <laughs> so I don't know, Brenna, do you have other things to say about this? I mean, how does this fit in with your sort of dislike of <laughs> fantasy and sci-fi and that kind of stuff? Like, does this feel like it's hitting the sweet spot for you? You know, it is. And I think I think what I'm realizing over the many years we've been doing this show, Joe, is that it's not that I don't like fantasy. It's that I get really bored by world building if it's not anchored to character. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. everything we learn about this world, we learn through Alana's perspective. There's no omniscient narrator like explaining the world to us. And right. I think that that is what turns me off of a lot of fantasy. Mm. It's not that I don't love you know, a magic world. It's just that I don't want to hear about it. I want to just experience it. Right. And so it really works for me in this book. And uh, like, I would, I would happily finish this series. I want to know what happens to Alana, but like, more than anything, I want to know why we don't have an adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> it is baffling because you and I both weren't really aware of this until it got suggested as a potential book club option, right? Yeah. And when you read it, it seems inherently cinematic. It seems like an absolute yes! no-brainer. But I can't help but wonder if because of its agedness, a bunch of folks have just fallen off the Tamara Pierce train and they're not yeah. even thinking about her when we're thinking about adaptations. But it's wild because the response that we got from folks was off the charts, right? Like People yeah. were so excited that we were covering this. And I realized... There's a huge fan base for this that is clearly still eager. Like several people, when they wrote in, they were like, I still reread these books. Like yeah. I read a, a Tamara Pierce book every year. Yeah. Okay. That seems like a pretty built-in audience. Yeah, I agree. I totally don't get it. It especially feels like hand-built for a streamer service to take it on. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't get it. But, you know, we have three Kissing Booth movies and no Alana movie. What I don't get it. <laughs> yeah i also do not get it <laughs> i guess the the final thing and i wonder if it plays into this is that we've talked about how this is a middle grade text right and yeah. you can tell by the the writing the kind of storytelling that we're seeing even the character development to a lesser extent i wonder if that is a factor in this like oh the story is actually too simple and as a result it isn't as appealing for adaptation you know i mean i think harry potter proved that among <laughs> among the facts that you could be like really famous and still be a terrible person but mm -hmm, i think the main mm -hmm. thing that harry potter proved is that an audience can age with a text right like right. if you read the philosopher's stone or the sorcerer's stone for our american friends um it's <laughs> It's a very straightforward, very middle grade, upper right. middle grade for sure, but very middle grade story. And yet by the end of that series, it's extremely dark and complicated. And right. it sounds to me from what everybody who's written in has said, who's familiar with the series, that like this is a 
a series that does a similar thing that that as Alana ages, so too do her age appropriate situations. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think an audience will follow characters with just I yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe it does explain it just from the first book's perspective. People don't think it has an audience. But, you know, I mean, there's nothing particularly groundbreaking about the Philosopher's Stone. Like, let's be real. Yeah. And even just thinking about, okay, both of those books, as an example, both of them deal with bullying, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I would say that the bullying that Alana suffers by Rallin, the guy who basically says, oh, you're small and short. I can pick on you very easily, you know. I think that that is actually a much more, not just realistic, but much more threatening type of bullying that we're seeing in a lot of other texts. I loved, you know how sensitive I am to bullying scenes. Mm -hmm. I really loved the way that story is told here. I think that there's a really great depiction of how isolating it feels to keep Mm -hmm. the secret of bullying and also how empowering it is to find a way to the other side of it, you know. There's a lot of things that are happening in this book that work really well, but that worked for me quite, quite well. Yeah. And even the fact that Elena doesn't take pleasure in getting come up in, like she doesn't revel in the fact that Rowan eventually leaves school and there's a lingering threat that he will track her down and try to get his revenge later. But even the way that her friends know what's happening and they say, Alan wouldn't want us to step in, so we're not going to. But then they also look for opportunities to be like, Rowan, you need to stay away from Alan because it's not okay. Yeah, it's really interesting how he is effectively scorned by the whole school community even before Alan Mm -hmm. can actually like deal with him. Right. I I just thought it was very, very well done. And and the notion that like adults aren't going to come and rescue you and that's the experience of bullying for i think probably most kids Mm -hmm. i mean obviously most of us don't you know take arms but (laughs) but, (laughs) no but the isolation and the notion of having to try to solve this problem yourself and the powerlessness that her friends feel i think all of that is really effectively done Mm -hmm. yeah and we're big advocates for there's a certain point where you need to tell an adult when something is happening but in this case it's very clear that alana it's not a pride issue but it's something where if i don't do this my way this will never end like telling Mm -hmm. a teacher isn't an option because of the situation that she's in right like how are you going to become a knight if you can't deal with your own problems yeah Absolutely. And like, I hope my kiddo always tells me when stuff like this is going down. But I also was a kid. And Mm -hmm. I know for sure that not everything feels like something you can talk about. So I thought that that was really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Overall, I just really, really enjoyed this. I'm exactly there with you. I would happily read other Tamara Pierce books because I think that this is a great introduction. I, you know, taking into account what multiple people said that this is not her best book and this is the one that has maybe aged a little less gracefully than others folks you yeah you all undersold this like i don't think you needed yeah. to come in with the concessions and the caveats because i think this book is really good <laughs> yeah i do too i do too and if you haven't picked it up i strongly recommend it and it's a really good summer read like honestly it's yeah it's fun and it's light and it's really page turner e without being frivolous i just think Mm -hmm. it's it's worth your time absolutely and especially if you like emma and charlotte and tea books and chocolate 
identify as female and are looking for a strong, compelling, but not like so boxy mm-hmm. heroine to look up to. Like if you if you have a preteen girl or someone who just likes girls in terms of like central characters, mm-hmm. you could do a lot worse than a land of the first adventure. Yeah, my my kiddo does not like uh, boy protagonists in stories, <laughs> and oh, so this is. <laughs> so this he also he also is not convinced that boys can teach him swim lessons every time he gets assigned a boy swim teacher he's like mm, i'm skeptical of this whole scene <laughs> um, but uh yeah this is definitely what i'm gonna save for when we need a story time when we're a little bit bigger because mm-hmm. the peril is still a bit much but yes. i definitely think that uh alana is someone that Groot will really relate to yeah middle grade fiction this is a very strong sell mm-hmm Joe. Yes, Brenna. Speaking of female protagonists. Mm-hmm, that are far less complicated than this middle grade text. <laughs> it's so true. We're heading back to the world of Divergent next week, ladies and gentlemen. We're taking a look at the final book. God, I, I just, this is the final one, mm-hmm. Joe. We just have to get through this. Yep. <laughs> and then we've done the whole thing. Mm-hmm. We're reading Allegiant for next week. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and. I'm super excited to have conversations about the full book and then the movie that covers half of it. (laughs) That they never got further than. Um, And then looking ahead to the start of our sixth season, Joe, Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to be looking at the graphic novel, A Sister. And yes, we know about the controversy with the author. We will be addressing it. And the Canadian adaptation, Falcon Lake. So Mm -hmm. that's what's coming up in a little bit more time from now. I don't know, Joe. My words are gone. (laughs) (laughs) it's fine i'm gonna take us home one final piece usually on the book club episodes we announce what the next book club entry will be and folks uh i'm basically torpedoing the schedule for the next couple of months because (laughs) i am going to be busy doing some film festivals so we're going to try to give you more advanced notice of the books and the movies that we're watching so that if you want to watch along or read along you can still write in and tell us your thoughts Mm -hmm. and we will try to incorporate them where possible possible or mailbag options but uh yeah for now book club is going to go on a brief hiatus through about the end of the year yes and we will keep you posted on that and if you have thoughts about book club if you have any format ideas this would be a good time to send them in because we are we're rethinking some things and shuffling some things so don't hesitate to share what you would like to see book club do more or less of um and a good Mm -hmm. way to do that would be to email us for mailbag Mm -hmm. you can find us hkhspod at gmail.com or if you're looking for us on the socials as we've been saying the last few weeks things are shifting a little bit so we're on instagram (laughs) now at hkhspod hs pod as well as still on twitter and freshly on blue sky at that handle so you can find us in those places joe where do they find you i am at beast on my remote and that's the letter b and i'm at brenna c gray that's gray with an a but i'm not on twitter anymore you can find me at that handle on blue sky or at mittenstrings on instagram Mm-hmm. all right so uh yeah i think that's it joe i i'm glad we did this one this was me too. this was a happy week for me <laughs> yes good pick listeners well done well done two thumbs up and uh yeah until next time i'll see you on the page and i will see you on the screen mm-hmm. so in the first book alana uh, so in the first book sorry But then I also really appreciated Emma's response where she says, 
Uh, where did it go here? Sorry. Yeah, I don't get it, but you know, I we have three kissing boots. Boot, I would happily read more of these. I think I would read other Tamora Pierce. Tamara, why mm-hmm. do I? I can't decide how to pronounce her name.